ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming, and super special guest, Mr. Harlan, Guests. from the Guests. Better Than Heroes uh, podcast? Show on Twitch? Do you have a podcast? I forget. We don't, yeah. Okay. We call it, we just go show. Yeah, you know? it's a show, just yeah. Just a show, all. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Harlan uh, is a, a cool person and uh, invited me over to play um, Spelljammer on your Better Than Heroes show on Twitch, which was really fun. And then uh, we're just a cool person, have a lot in common. And I was like, you should come over and be on the Saturday morning D&D show. Uh, so Mr. Harlan, uh, aside from, well, tell us a little bit about your show, your Spelljammer show and all the stuff that you do. Thank cool. you. Jordan, I don't know if I've ever been complimented so much this early in the morning on oh, Saturday. Yeah. Well, so that's I, a, that's, I really a, that's typical you, Saturday morning D&D show uh, etiquette, etiquette. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching like cartoons as a kid right now. I'm ready to go. I've got the sugar buzz. Let's, let's do that's it. That's the yeah. vibe. That's the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I've been a, uh, a fan of yours for a long time. The videos that you make, I love your lore videos and I'm just super happy to be here. But um yeah, we're uh, Better Than Heroes. We stream every Monday. We run a 5e Spelljammer game, um, which I know, right? It's not out there. Everybody take but... a drink, Spelljammer. <laughs> Spelljammer. Um, so, yeah, we've been having a really good time. We started uh, around the start of quarantine. Uh, I was already playing in a home game with two of the people on the stream, and when they're professional comedians, and when the all the comedy clubs shut down. Yeah. They're like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yes, I do. So, cool. um, yeah, so I'm happy to be here and talk about it. That's awesome. Um, so when did you start D&D? I started playing uh, the week I moved to Denver, Colorado, which is where I live now. Okay. The week I moved into this apartment. Um, I, my friend ran a game, just, you know, classic nerd buddy. Was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, I've never done it. He shepherded me through it. And then... It quickly, very quickly turned into, I want to play all the time. Yeah. I want to play. And then <laughs> which does. quickly turns into you being a DM and now I'm a perma DM. So, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that that's uh, similar stories. I think for both me and Lucia, like you, you get the bite and then you're just like, well, if I want to play more than the once every two weeks that my friends think it's kind of cool, then I better like find, I better run games. And then you get like swarmed with people who are like, oh, I'll play, I'll play. Mm -hmm. And I think- yeah. Before the baby was born, I think I was doing like four games a week, and that was a lot. And I had to like step back a yeah. lot from that, yeah. but it was fun. That, that's part of the bug bite too. Is at some point you will try to do four or five games in a single week because you're thinking I can do it. I'm not doing anything on that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday. <laughs> yeah, it's no, too I, much. <laughs> I I I hit that point this year because. Yeah. Um, I already knew I was art. The first game I ran was with a bunch of my Indiana buddies just to kind of like stay in touch when I moved down here. And we, that's a game that has been running for almost three years. I had this nice. tattoo from killing one of the players in oh, that game. Wow. <laughs> um, and, but we've, so we've always been online. So when the pandemic hit, I played more, I had more of a social life than I had before <laughs> because I was running like four nights a week too. And like doing better than hero stuff. And so I, I went back and, I just like got close to counting exactly and I ran over 100 games of D&D last year and oh, wow. I definitely for the first time ever hit my limit of like I'm feeling a little burned out yeah I need I, I would like to play now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you were you 
did you play Spelljammer back in the day, or was it just something that you were interested in, or, or I guess why Spelljammer? Like, it, it's fun and unique, but I was wondering if there's like, I don't know, talk, talk to no. me about Spelljammer. <laughs> um, I think that I, when we started doing this, we had a couple of different, we started doing Better Than Heroes, we had a couple of different like avenues of that we were gonna, gonna go down, and I was like, hey guys, what if I just pitched you a couple of campaigns for our kind of like session zero? Mm. Like, what if I just said, which one of these do you wanna do? And one pitch um, was like a homebrew world. One pitch was, um, I think, like just running in the directly in the Forgotten Realms. And then the other one was Spelljammer. And they they were all excited about it. They a, a couple of them, uh, two of the players have been playing D and D for a long time, and so they had never heard of it or really encountered it. And um, so they got excited about the just the weirdness and the uniqueness of it. But yeah. Yeah, for me, it's it's I'm a, the thing that I love about D and D specifically is the magic system. Okay, is the like infinite kind of like big world magic, the scaling up of it, and um, and I, I mean a, a, another reason I love D and D like in comparison to like a lot of other games is that it just feels like a bottomless wormhole. Like my mm-hmm. brain, my obsessive brain can just latch on, latch on, latch on, latch on. And Spelljammer felt like an infinite version of that. And I got really into the idea that like, okay, if, if I, if we don't want to play in this like pseudo uh, night world, this like mm-hmm. medieval world. And if there are, um, it was like around a time when D and like the D and D community was really struggling with a lot of the, um, negative things in D&D like you know a lot of the like racism built into mm-hmm. it and I was like this feels like such a cool way to sh- just show that we don't have to be doing these things that we can expand out into like a- okay absolutely anything is possible there's an infinite worlds. there's planets where like things are incredibly different let's go play in those worlds and not just play in the like goblins are bad world. yeah in this on the sword coast and like yeah. <laughs> every yeah. other thing that wizards has made. Um, yeah. no, it's, it's kind of fun. And I feel like it's the natural progression for a lot of dungeon masters too. Cause like you get really excited and you're like, Oh, we're in a castle. And I guess it's also kind of the natural progression for players where, you know, you're level one and you're like fighting goblins. And then by the time you're level 20, you're plane hopping to the city of brass to like get a letter to then take it over to the crystal sphere of worms and do, you know, and it's just, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, no, and that's really fun. Spelljammer is super awesome. I had another question I was going to ask you, and I totally spaced it now. Mm. Um, if have you ever thought of doing some like planescapey stuff too, or just with Spelljammer, kind of like that's the direction you want to go, or do you incorporate a lot of different lore into your Better Than Heroes game? I think I always I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like um, the City of Doors. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna uh, sigil sigil. I, I don't. Oh, I sigil. never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always see someone say this is the definite love, way I to love say it. sigil. Yeah, <laughs> sigil's sigil. good, but sigil is pretty. Accurate. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that that city. I'm a huge Chris Chris Perkins fan. Mm-hmm. I uh, used to watch Dice Camera Action a bunch, and that was really what like got the hook of like, oh, you can take your normal world and make it this huge world. Mm-hmm. So yes, I I have a lot of plans to um, kind of like hook the players into other worlds and bring in the different planes of existence because it does hit that same spot for me. That's like, yeah. okay, let, like, let's play in a world that um, 
I think that I can't remember where this is mentioned, but like in on Mechanist, where if you roll dice, it's always the same number. Like yeah. all the dice. You always the take the number. average or whatever yeah. the dice roll. Yeah. So your damage yeah. will if you have a D eight, your damage will always be five or something like that. And I thought that was cool too. Yeah. Yeah, just like little things like that where where if this is true, what else is true parts of the game that feel alien but also have this like system to mm. it, this other world. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I ran the... I've been taking... Well, I, I've done this once so far, but I took uh, The Rod of Seven Parts, which is a second edition game, and and then ran it as a fifth edition game. And we ended in Sigil. Uh, and so now I was looking at, like, Planescape Adventures, and another classic Planescape Adventure is uh, The Great Modron March. And oh, that's yeah. another one that I'm like, I think I want to, like, up, upscale this and, and play it in fifth edition. It'll be a lot of fun. Dude, that, um, that run of adventures is so good. Dead oh, yeah. Gods, that Dead Gods in Tui is mm-hmm. one of the coolest adventures I've ever read. It reads like a novel mm-hmm. and it also also inspired like there's clearly game mechanics in there where you're like, whoa, this is smart DMing. They like talk you at talk to you as a DM to be like, you should throw in this cutscene here and just describe this to the players. And like they're not there and their characters don't know if yeah. the players get this scene. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so yeah, cool. And yeah, it's, cinematic. A bunch of really it's like cool a movie. Stuff. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, what other RPGs do you like to play? I mean, or is it just kind of D&D at this point? You said you ran 100 games, so I imagine you no. play a lot of D&D. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I think um, because we do an interview show also on our channel on Thursdays with called The Dungeon, which you were a guest on. Mm-hmm. Lucian, you should come hang out uh, on yeah, it too. Sure. Um, but And it's Andrew is the co-host with me, and he has really inspired me to get going on some other games because I think I had a hard time making the jump i always wanted to i said it but just like having someone to run the game or like knowing which one to go to first i just kind of felt overwhelmed and knew D so well but he pushed me over the edge and i have played a lot of tin candles oh. uh which is this weird little game that uh it's not little it's very big in the ttrpg <laughs> world but uh it's super unique because you tell the players at the beginning that their characters are going to die in the in the end of the session and it's a no prep, um, very heavily improvised, but with like a great rule system that like fits with the style of game. Um, I highly recommend that. And I play, I've been playing some lasers and feelings. Oh, uh, we played the um, swords and emotions and swords and emotions pack. <laughs> Andrew ran some of that for us. Um, I think we're gonna stream some of that, but um, the, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about Monster of the Week because I, you can't see it, but right here is <laughs> on my bookshelf behind me is, I got that for Christmas. My wonderful wife, Sarah, got it for me. And I really love that system because I'm like an X-Files Buffy fan. Yeah. And um, and you all have been playing it, right? We did just one started, one session, yeah. just started, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so a uh, friend of the show, LB Hackamup, who uh, a, people have said should be the like third host of our show. <laughs> They're like, you should just keep her on all the time. But she's a very yeah. busy person. Um, she wanted to run, she loves Monster of the Week. And so she's doing like a, 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 it's a test run, I think, in her mind, but it's very professionally done. Like she knows mm-hmm. what she's doing and she's streaming it on her show on her Twitch channel and invited mm-hmm. us to be on. So we're doing like a four week run, a uh, four episode, uh, just so she gets it's the like idea. A yeah. A little mini series. <laughs> and she's like, if you like the characters, we could always bring them back and stuff. And we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, and I've never played monster of the week, but I've played a lot of other games like that. Like we, I talk about kids on bikes a lot and I like that yeah. game. And, mm-hmm. uh, we always, uh, Lucian really likes Tales from the Loop, even though we haven't played it yet, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, Andrew's a big Tales of the Loop fan. Those are like, both th- that one that you mentioned, uh, Kids on Bikes, when you talked about that on our show, Jordan, I was, 
had that same response when I learned about Monster of the Week or Tales of the Loop. I'm like, oh God, I want to play it so yeah. bad. Like, oh, it's like, it's on the list now. Yeah. Someday yeah. I'll have a Saturday. Um, yeah. it's well, I like that- how your list is like you, you play D&D, which is the mainstream. And then the ones you dabbled in are, are very indie games. You didn't dabble in, you like didn't jump over to Pathfinder. You didn't jump over to the Monty Cook stuff, which are a little bit more mainstream. You jumped right over to the indie stuff, which was really cool. So you made, you're like on the two edges of tabletop role-playing games as far as what you're playing. That's pretty funny. I mean, I, I love, I love the weird shit, you know, <laughs> so I just, I want, I, I feel like I get what I need out of D and D as far as this like classic big experience. And then I want to just like dive into some weird stuff, which is <laughs> why I guess why we're playing spell jammer too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have not played 10 candles yet, but I have it. Um, but for the last three years i've been doing a halloween kids on bikes game um, which has been really fun and so it's always like it's always different we have new characters and it's like what's going to happen this halloween and it always takes place on halloween um but after reading 10 candles i was like oh i think i want to do that now Uh, or 10 Mm -hmm. lights that's what it's called i'm sorry is it no it's 10 candles candles? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah i want to that one see because reading through that rules i was like oh this is exactly what you kind of want for a halloween like which the mechanic in that is you're you're each candle is getting snuffed out at yeah. some point, which is showing you the, the length of the game, right? So that's the mechanic yeah. to it is. And the impending doom interesting. is coming in on you. Yeah. And, and if you play yeah. in the dark with just the candles, it gets <laughs> So, so cool. we've, I should put the episode up because we've, we had, we've streamed three sessions of it and we had major te- technical difficulties with one. And, um, but the other two are really good. And well, the second one's good. It just is glitchy, but yeah. um because we figured out a way to be able to stream that because it's hard because it's a show that's built to be sitting around the table. Um, The designer of that is super good at making mechanics that like really evoke an experience. Um, But uh, not to invite myself over to your house, Jordan, but I will play or run (laughs) that game for you anytime that you want to hit me up. I've I've figured out how to do it online and I love it. And it's super fun. No, uh, I, I said this before, but once we get uh, vaccines rolled out, I want to convention I, running. Again. I just, yeah, well, yeah. conventions, but I also want to instigate friend con where I just get yeah. all of my internet friends and I want to put them in like mm-hmm. one place and we just play a bunch of RPGs for four days. Um, and the more friend I talk con about is so good. No, the more I, I talk that. about yeah. this, they're just like, yeah, like it doesn't need no, no convention. Just like we rent a house. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own room. <laughs> Like yeah. lots of lots of food and drinking and games and we'll bring internet and, and streaming equipment. It'll be so fun. It was like, let's do it. Oh man, to go to go on a weird tangent. I was going. We were, uh, my wife and I were going to get have our wedding uh, last October, and we didn't because of the pandemic. We might mm. again this year. Not sure yet. But um, one of my dreams with that was I run three games in my homebrew world that are all in the same like timeline Mm -hmm. but interacting differently and uh my dream of the wedding was like all of these people are going to be in one place and this is the only (laughs) time that all of them have any reason to be in the one place because they're all from all these different worlds and i was like please sarah please she she plays in the game like she would it's i don't know why i'm not ruining my wedding (laughs) no it's it's not her that's not it's not it it's more just like the t- we will be so busy. We You'll should so not stressed. play it an yeah, eight yeah. hour <laughs> game of D and D, which is what it would take when you were running. If you ran a session for twelve people, oh my like, gosh. Yeah. Jordan Danimal says you should rent that house in Australia so we can all go there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that that's cheeper than D and D in Las Vegas. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, Las Vegas. You go to Las Vegas and don't go to any casino. Oh, yeah. Just That's play. the plan. Yeah. Just a really nice hotel. <laughs> just get yeah. a nice hotel. Give, yeah. It'll be great. Uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, very excited. And we should run some more games together. It'd be fun. If, it'd be fun. I mean, Lucian and I are always, we, we like one shots and we like trying out new systems. And there's mm-hmm. been a couple times where we're like, okay, this is the year we're going to like do like a system a month and we're going to play all the games yeah. that are on our shelves. And it just never happens. But, uh, we, I don't we know, do maybe, maybe thing. like a tentative every three months, we do a one shot of some new system so that we could actually play like 10 candles and tales from the loop and things like that. So yeah, kind of fun. Yeah. We've been doing the same thing. It's just hard yeah. because, you know, it's it's hard to get it going. Because yep. we, we, we have the same thing where we're, like, so excited about all of these games. And we are we have, like, in our own time, play them. And we're, like, had the best experiences. And we're, like, we should do this. This would be so fun to do. But yeah. it's hard. <laughs> well, I'm a Kickstarter junkie. So yeah. these games keep showing up on my doorstep. I'm, like, oh, this one's really good. Oh, this one's really good. And, oh, my God, this one's really good. You should read this one. It's, like, I can never stop filling the shelves here. Yeah. Um, Yep. RPG books. So back to Spelljammer. I had a question about Spelljammer that would, I think, help out our audience a little bit. We talk about it quite a bit. You're a dungeon master. What have you had to change because you're running a 5e game or are you running a 5e game of it? Um, I am running a 5e game of it. Okay, so you've had to think about what things did I need to change if I'm using resources from any of the other books. What's the big thing you feel... Like you're spending time on either converting or coming up with a rule that matches 5e so that it works. Man, I I could talk about this forever <laughs> <laughs> because I, I luckily have a couple of friends in my life who DM friends who just let me spam this, spam them about this because mm-hmm. I have so many thoughts on this. But um, I loved I loved Jordan's videos about it. I, mm-hmm. I because it they feel like. I, when I when I started Better Than Heroes, I just read all of the 2E stuff back to front because I'm just an anxious nerd who was like, I have to know. And there's, I think, so little mechanics that I took with me. Mm-hmm. And But I, do, I also don't feel like... A, a common thing amongst people who run Spelljammer in 5E or try to is they say, uh, you can take the salt marsh ships stat blocks and the combat rules of... Um, a descent into Avernus of the Hellfire engines, and you kit bash them together, and then you have spell chamber ships. And it's and there's also a, a stat block in the back of um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, where that is a spell chamber helm. It has the rules for a spell chamber helm. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's something missing in there. And I was on a Twitter thread about it one time with a couple of other people, and I was being a little snarky, and I'm like, this is just fan service. This is just like uh, wizards trying to get uh, people off their back because it, it's not applicable to actually running a Spelljammer campaign. Um, and I ended up getting an argument on Twitter with someone who I didn't realize was a writer for D&D until after uh, I'd already gotten an argument with him. He was very con- a nice. A Twitter argument? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I know. On Twitter? Nice. That happens? <laughs> he was very nice. But um, I think the, if, you know, I could fall down any rabbit hole of like, there's this rule or that rule or this is the thing. But I think the one thing that um has worked for me this like puzzle piece that i figured out is um you can't you can't have these ship stat blocks and you can't have ships fighting each other but you're dealing a lot of the time with ships being a long a a wide distance away from each other and the players have to make the decision of are are we chasing this ship are we trying to get close to this ship are we trying to get away from this ship 
if we don't know, like what approach do we take when we do know? And that moment is really the key of being able to run a spell chamber campaign. Because mm -hmm. when you run into things, monsters, you know, like you, let's say you just run into a monster, you know, there's just like a Gravis Slayer there. Excellent monster. I love it to death. Um, and like the players know they want to try and get away immediately, but this thing is trying to uh, glom onto you. So I th I've, we recently ran on our stream um, uh, an encounter, just like this little tiny mini game. It's basically like a built out skill challenge where mm -hmm. there's just like a pursuit level. And if you get to X amount, you can get away. If you, uh, if the other ship gets to X amount, then they catch you. And then you do like ship to ship. They're right next to each other. You fight each other at combat. And that's the, that's the main thing where I'm like, this, this is the only puzzle piece I couldn't figure out. Cause there's a, a bunch of stuff like that is into E that dives deep into like, how long does it take you to leave a planet? How, you know, um, how fast can you go? And this time, what's the, the speed of the ship? And those things are important, but those things are also usually litigating this moment of like, do you get away or do you not? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was wondering too. Cause I thought when, when I thought about running one, what you just mentioned, I always thought you would have to come up with some rules of distance change because that's the whole thing. It's all about where somebody is and where they're going to go and how somebody's either going to counter that or go with it and what's right. that going to... Because once you get to combat, that's just moving stuff once they're close enough. That's normal combat. Um, you know, doing stuff on the ship is normal combat, adventuring, talking with NPCs. That's all normal. The only thing you're really adding in is the chase, the sea chase, you know, the the, the classic... You know, do you, are they long chases? Are they chases over 25 minutes, over five hours before they start to close? You see a little bit of it in the Matt Coville when he does his campaign, the chain, and they're having to deal with a ship that's chasing them, but it's only gaining like a foot a minute or something. So it's going to be hours before they actually get there. So what do you do with your adventure while that kind of stuff's happening? Because it's much as, as a much slower timeline. So it's cool that you, you had actually had yeah. mentioned that. And I was and, wondering if there was anything else missing, like breathing in space. Is there any mechanics to that? Or is that just a knowable thing? Um, yeah, you know, I mean. But you said skill check stuff. So I could see how you could take skill checks to start doing some of that stuff. Yeah. And there are. Like, like you as a DM, you can kind of dive into any of these things that you want to and let your players as long as you, your players know that this is the rule system that you're using you can do whatever you want and you can also not care about anything you want to like yeah because it, it's about you know creating this experience where the players are having fun and that's why um your jordan your video walks it through perfectly like i'm, <laughs> I'm so jealous that like because I just spent like hours trying to understand it and you did it, you streamlined it so well, like the hex movement of like your helm rating and how you move around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like no, that, and that's so beautiful. I don't want to under, under, like that took a while to like, like that whole yeah, series was, was like months in the, in the building where I'm just like, how do I do this? And I had to basically, I think I taught myself 2E and I was like at my desk, like rolling dice. And I'm like, and then I would move here and like just having a fake fight. Cause I'm like, how do I explain this? But yeah. So I love those videos so much because it just feels like the conversation I was having myself, you know, like yeah. it, it's like, I, I, I pre-internet days where I like found someone at a school, like a, a, party or something who like liked the same obscure band as me and like yeah. knew the lead singer's name or something <laughs> because I was like I did all this stuff in my brain like, <laughs> um, but yeah like it's it's it communicates it perfectly and I I just don't love 
the hex grid system. I, it looks really cool. Um, I, I do love the aesthetic of like moving around, but it's a different game. And I don't think it engages players in a way that is designed for 5e. And because, you know, everybody wants their turn when their moment to do the thing. And I think that um, th that's just like the main struggle of Spelljammer for me, because everything else is just like fun. Like you can just make up planets, you can mm -hmm. make up asteroid encounters, like all of that stuff is, but like that, the litigation of the moment when you are need to get away or not yeah. is really good. Like, you know. Yeah, I think, and actually when Spelljammer came out, it was, it was, it had its niche following. But yeah. if I remember correctly, one of the big uh, complaints about it is that it was an entirely different game. Like yes. we would have our role play, like running around a dungeon game that was popular with, you know, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And then you would have this like ship game, um, which was mm -hmm. on a completely different map. And, yeah. and it had completely different rules. I mean, you're still kind of rolling to see if you hit, but like you're, you're talking about, uh, and I always think of, the Star Wars wargaming people that I see at the tabletop uh, store, my gaming mm -hmm. store, and they've got the lasers that show, okay, yeah, you're within threat range of this, and they're kind of moving their their ships around, and that's fun, but when you're sitting down to be like, yeah, I really want to play D&D, &D, and then they present you this, like, obscure, like, tabletop. yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, well, if you Miniature upgrade wargaming. your ship, but again, that's that's fun for some people is to have this clunker of a ship. You get money, you buy better equipment to make it go faster and things like that. So, yeah. And I've, I've really considered, um, and I might still incorporate this somehow. There's this like whole thing with our ship and our campaign that you don't, we don't need to dive into, but like, um, I really like maybe using the Matt Colville rules of like strongholds and followers for a ship and just like yeah. you upgrade that. And it, it is his home base. We mm -hmm. talked to two other, uh, spell jammer games, um, on our talk show and they both do it like that where they have it's just kind of this floating home base yeah. for them and they they don't do ship encounters specifically because it doesn't you know it's it doesn't quite fit with the 5e rules but they do a really good job of still making this ship a thing that is involved with the player's campaign mm -hmm. but isn't involved in the action of the, sh yeah. the, the actual game yeah so. like mm -hmm. if you're gonna do a spell jammer game you need a you need a that character that is the ship you need the millennium falcon or you need yeah. the enterprise <laughs> because like those inanimate objects are just have personality and are just as important to you as like your mm -hmm. actual character and i think that's another reason i've always been interested in running a uh, Spelljammer ship or Spelljammer game. We have a question from Shozama, and I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but I thought I'd ask because he was uh, very polite and said, please. Um, oh. He would like to know if you prefer the rules presented by the Complete Spacefarer's Handbook, which was written by a freelancer, or the War Captain's Companion, which was written by TSR. <laughs> and I don't know the difference, but maybe you uh, do. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like to pick and choose is the answer. Like I, I like to pull things from each one mm -hmm. as they as surf me, yeah. you know, like, which is kind of a, um, a cop out, but I like looking at them both because they both have very unique answers and do the same thing. Like their attention is on different things. And I think like the war, um, like the war, I always say the word order wrong, but the companion, the second one is much more focused on like this military, like ship or ship thing mm -hmm. where the first one is much more focused on like moving around planets and like navigating the world, which is, is cool. Like it's super cool that they're doing it from those two perspectives. 
Very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, well, we are a D and D talk show that talks about D and D and not just Spelljammer. Uh, and I was, uh, we, I was, I was surprised we got this uh, unearthed Arcana. Were you expecting that, Mister Lucian? Um, no, I wasn't expecting Unearthed Arcana yet, but we started to need to get something because here we are in January. We haven't seen any test material come out quite yet, um, but it does kind of match your your glee for possible, you know, um, Ravenloft kind of setting Possibly, or, yeah. you know, like a, a Dark Phase type setting that you've been thinking that's coming down the pike because we've heard little things here and there about stuff like that and this kind of definitely says okay they must have something coming at this point that's very gothic and very what, what matches their gothic settings you know ravenloft yeah um so yeah i thought it was interesting and it's another push in the way of removing stats and abilities from maybe the race you are and move it more towards what like they're calling the lineage mm -hmm. and things that can happen to you might give you those things or um kind of breaking stereotypes down that they've, they've always relied on. So it's definitely their move in the last year or two to kind of break those stereotypes. I thought it was pretty interesting. I love that it's, I, I how do you guys pronounce, is it Dampier? Is just the H is silent instead of just saying vampire, you know, is it? Well, I mean, I know that on this stream, the pH is silent, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100% so always. The DH um, yeah. But <laughs> Dampier? So, it's I, an ampere. I think it's dampier. That's how I've always said it, but I I honestly don't know. Uh, but it's something you see if you if you go to. So we're talking about gothic lineages. This is the new yeah, uh, that came out, and uh, they're not races, but they're lineages. Which is you could be a dwarf that got turned into a dampier, or you could be a elf that has become a reborn. Um, but the three of them are the Hexblood, the Reborn, and the Dampier. And I thought it was Dampier, but I, I honestly don't know. They're, that's like a half vampire. Like you can go in the sunlight or something. Uh, a, yeah. a blade, if you will. Um, <laughs> I don't actually know. A, a uh, Vampire Hunter D. Uh, vampire Hunter D is what I always imagined yeah. it as. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and this is interesting. Uh, like, again, they, they want to... Wizards of the Coast feels like they want to take that they they regret using the word race, even though it's been with D and D for so long, and uh, the they, current writers regret the, the old current writers. writers. Thank you. Have have yeah. strapped them with yes. because uh, <laughs> even Pathfinder yeah. calls it something your ancestry or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But they want to get rid of that, and so I thought it was interesting. But they don't want to rewrite their older stuff, so they're specifically have a little blip in here where they're like going forward. The word race is actually going to mean this, and so they're re redefining it for older and future publications. Um, yeah. But uh, the the coolest thing about this, I thought, because it, it is just another like D&D uh, &D race type, uh, but you're actually combining two different things. So you could be humanoid and undead, or you could be, uh, and, and we haven't seen that because the satyr, I think, is just fey, and the centaur is just fey. They're not humanoid fey. They're not two different kinds. Mm -hmm. um, and then that opens up a, can of worms where because you're humanoid, this works on you, but because you're undead, turn undead also works on you. And mm. so there's just weird, I don't know. It's kind of like, is it, do you think it's a negative or is it a positive to have both of those or is it both? I guess. Right. Well, it's the first time we see mechanics where you can change, right? Not just you asked your DM if mm. I could be something different, but your character evolves to something different or is part of something different or now you're kind of mixing and matching half of this, half that kind of thing. 
Whereas before you were always just kind of choosing. So I think it's kind of interesting that we get those types of mechanics. Which ones go away? Like all of a sudden, if you're human and you go undead and you get the certain things, but what if you're, I don't know, what can an ASMR then go reborn or Hexblood or, you know, can a Well, and you don't get both, both worlds, I would assume, right? Like right. Would, well, if you're, you're Asimar, you lose the light cantrip because now you're a reborn that has whatever they have. I don't know. Deathless. Right, because they talk about you to use the rules in Tasha where Tasha talks about doing those kinds of changes and the lineage change. And I've only read over them like briefly because I have not used too much of the Tasha's lineage stuff yet. But um, this is, I think it's just another step step in that way. But we've always I've always wanted in the book. I can't believe there wasn't always rules in every edition that says what happens when you get bit by a vampire. What happens when you get, you know, cut by a werewolf? You know, when do you get lycanthropy? You know, when, mm-hmm. when do I get to be a were rat? We, you know, we fought were rats and one of our people is going to turn into a were rat. What is that going to mean? You know, or um, that kind of stuff, because there's always things trying to turn your character into something else, you know, mind flare, putting stuff in you so that you become, you know, all the, all that kind of cool stuff. But the rule it's implied in there, but there's not necessarily rules right in the DMG telling you how to handle it or what to do with it. If it does happen. So yeah, I think this I, is a step that way. I, I, I love this so much. I mean, I think it's clear from like the stuff I was talking about earlier of, of like, if we live inside of these magic worlds, if we're playing inside of these magic worlds, then like, so much is possible here you know we don't have to live inside of this world that is like in real life problematic because it's talking about like eugenic race stuff you know that's a real big bummer and feels bad and so but i think another side of this is this is all stuff that dms have been doing at their table forever you know like every like you can't you can't pick up the dmg or without having some knowledge about tabletop role-playing games it really doesn't teach you how to play dungeons and dragons it gives you this like wider spread of like what is possible and like the forgotten realms and the planes and blah 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 blah. but um i i love this kind of stuff because it feels like it's teaching uh the skills that people have like dms have learned already you know and it's providing generation in a way like like yeah oh and and i think i've talked about this before like uh, some people need the okay from the people that wrote the book. So it's and like, people, oh, now, now it's okay. But like, I think the like old school yeah. role-playing people are just like, well, no, like, I don't know. You want to be a cat? You're a cat. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so. And I, I have a couple of friends, <coughs> shout out to my friend, Ben, who is just so on top of what is Adventures League approved yeah. and what is not, because he really likes that stuff. But he's, you know, he likes it because he he wants to all be on the same page and he's not never against stuff like this. And, but I think that's an important perspective that like we forget because we're just people playing at home, um, how valuable it is to DMs who want this kind of freedom, mm-hmm. but are playing at tables. That's not just their friends or, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, are playing at conferences or running games for game stores or stuff to, to see this like progressive take on like be, approached by wizards is so great because it, it's like you have to do weird like uh hag yeah you're like stuff. a hag like, born so thing and yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and there's a there's a personality type that exists in our community and it's all gaming communities they're rule followers yeah they find a game they open the packet they <laughs> look at the rules whether leader. it's a board game or whatever and they follow it they don't want to think about variants they don't want to think about oh just make it up as you go 
They're very about, no, your game says this is the rules. That's what I'm going to do. Now, certainly there are people that take that way too far and whatever, but you're playing with those people. You're playing with people that are like, oh, the book says I could do this. Can I do that? You know, and that's just in their brain. It makes sense. Oh, it's a rule. I'm following it. So I think we're starting to see, and because even in the chat, they were talking about, well, you've always been able to do anything you've wanted as a dungeon master. But if you're that type of personality that just likes, I follow the rules. It was in the, you know, that's how Monopoly's played. I read the thing. I'm not making up rules for Monopoly on how we're going to. Now, lots of people do. Lots of people have house rules to make it more fun. But other people are like, no, this is how we play Monopoly because this is what page two says, yeah. you know, and that's that's their fun. They enjoy that it. Person so we kind of like, uh, mix all that together. I would like to play by the rules. Does anyone <laughs> yeah. else want to play? <laughs> by, I mean, the game that we're playing. <laughs> but we, we had a we had a DM on our on the dungeon, uh, John Roy, who came in and he's like, oh, why would I homebrew any rules? Why would I do anything that's not by the book? Because I don't want to be in charge of this. I don't want my friends to be mad at me for ruling one way or another. <laughs> like, let's just look it up because then we're all on the same page. It feels like a social yeah. contract. And the, those those contracts to just include things that are more expansive. And more we all decide the rules. I always like that. I've leaned to that more in my dungeon master career or game master career where trying to be the one that figures out how things work versus let's just ask the players what makes sense. What can we all agree on? And that's how we'll play it this moving this way forward. And that way it's more collaborative and everybody buys into it versus you're the arbitrary dredge and, and you you side one way and one person's happy and yeah. the other people are mad or whatever. You take yourself out of that. You're just like, hey, I'm not, the rules yeah. aren't mine. This game is ours. <laughs> yeah. The myth, We're going to figure of, this out. <laughs> yeah. The myth of D&D is that the DM is in charge. Yeah. <laughs> they just never are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you think this is going to be a... Ravenloft campaign setting because Ravenloft is probably one of the more popular. Not it's their gothic medieval setting, one, right? Is, or is do this, they have any other gothic settings? Or is it going to be Innistrad, which is Magic the Gathering? <laughs> I think it's going to be the Shadowfell. I think they've oh, really? already. I think they've already laid out some stuff for like Shadowfell world and like this dark grimness. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they put out uh, a Strahd adventure and it did really well. For them and so i think that they're going to kind of like have this crossover that's that like leaks into leaks into ravenloft maybe has some connection into or around that mm-hmm. but is a shadowfell campaign essentially because cool. that'd be the first that would be the second we've gone to the hells thus far in 5e is plane hopping but that's it so we've not gone to any other planes yet officially in 5e so that'd be the second one if they did i would love a shadow film book. yeah like, there's so you know, much heartbeat there's so much and there's so much in morning <laughs> there's so much in morning kindness too but like do it. it's stuff that's in the back of uh different adventures you know stat blocks that we've just seen before but the like a missing piece of that is there are so many Shadowfell stat blocks in there or what if we, jordan what if we get the book you've been wanting which is a planes book and this is how it's going to work they're going to give us three things that come from one plane and three things come from another plane. And the book is like a mixture of seven or eight or nine of those. So just like Tasha's was 22 subclasses, we could have like this list of three for Shadowfell, three for the Feywild, three for whatever other plane they want to do and say, here's this, 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 and this, and here's your big, your big planes book. That'd be fun. And then I'll staple it together and I'll just be, ah, it'll be great. (laughs) Um, I still really want the idea, or we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I think, where I want a Feywild Shadowfell book, 
but like you're holding it and it says Feywild and then you flip oh, yeah. it upside down and it's reverse oh, printed God. so that the Shadowfell is on the other side. And I'm like, wizards, hire me. I've got the ideas <laughs> you need. That would sell so quickly. So, oh, uh, my, but my project managing brain is like that. Like, how do you print that? Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And their marketing guys go, he wants us to put two books into one and yes. we're only going to sell one book for yeah. one price. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's we want to sell hard. two books for yeah. two prices. All right. <laughs> Marketing genius, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I do like the, the, the fourth edition Gloom Rotten Beyond Shadowfell book is an amazing sandbox to just play around in. Like, and I've, I've used it and I've said it before and I think I did, I, I did a video about it recently and it's it's really mm -hmm. awesome, so. Well, you pushed uh, your players to their, because you enjoyed it so much. Yeah, you, I was you, reading you, that and I'm like, you guys you are going to Shadowfell. players there. <laughs> I'm a terrible DM because I'm totally just like, uh, Jordan's interested in Al Qadim deserts right now, so that's where you are. And Jump a portal brought you here, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> like, we're railroading there. Yeah. Jump on this train. But they have fun. It's okay. <laughs> it's all about having fun. If my players were just like, "We hate this," then I would be like, "All right," but they have a good yeah. time. Oh, um, that's awesome. This is something that I, uh, I, I'm glad we both saw this, Lucian. But the uh, there's a D and D campaign that's going to be going yeah. with puppets, yeah, okay. um, and yeah. it's called Stuff of Legends on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, and Whoa. it's it's a 30 minute drunk history style D&D reenactment. So the players have their like their story and then it's what their actions are reenacted in the fantasy world with puppets. Brilliant. And I wish I thought of this before anybody else kind of a thing. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be really funny. And that's on February 2nd. So I think yeah, we'll on talk their about news, that. It was on their news channel and they yeah. just announced it. And I thought, I'll journal like this. It and, will. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's February 2nd so clever. is, I think, when we get to see it, which so, is just in a day or two. So yeah, we'll talk about that um, next week. Probably that'd be interesting. Legends. <laughs> yeah. That's um, so cool. It's such a unique, like, take on telling a D&D &D story. That's yeah. super fun. Well, and I yeah. think uh, not not to downplay i mean we all play games we all stream games but like there it's so saturated now that if yeah. you are trying to do something new and different it's like well why should i watch this when i already watch critical role and acquisitions incorporated you know yeah. and yeah. you have to you have to be different uh and i don't know that's hard and, to do and it's like, such a long <laughs> form yeah. set of entertainment right now it's three hours four yeah. hours it's not like anything else out there if you're keeping up on your favorite shows, but something that's a 30 minute reenactment of the action versus the whole four hours of what brought us to that 30 minutes of action. That could be kind of fun. And if you're not, if you can't animate, but you can create puppets, I mean, that might be a way for you to be able to do that kind of cool thing. Cause I couldn't animate a story to save my life, but maybe I could make some puppets and stuff that would be kind of cool. So use what you got. Yeah. So it could be interesting. I, I thought I saw that. on There wasn't much other news. They had no other real videos on their channel to go look at. So they have not dived into Candlekeep. I assume within the next few weeks, we'll start seeing Candlekeep videos where they talk about parts of that or they'll give us some more history on it. Um, they usually do like Lori should knows and, and those kinds of sneak peeks and lots of fun writers and things. But it's a it's a yeah. campaign book. So there's probably only so much that they could show us. Versus like when they did Tasha's, they could have 22 videos because they had 22 subclasses to talk about, plus talk about sidekicks, plus talk about patrons, or talk, you know, so they had a lot to do. So I don't know what kind of videos we're going to get. I'm still hoping we haven't seen anything yet. Them mentioning whatever their live show for the year is going to be. Yeah. Um, are they going to do another online convention? Are we finally pushing to get enough vaccine vaccine saturation that people can actually go and visit each other. I don't, I don't know if we're there, but if they plan something in August, September, October, 
maybe that'll happen, but um, so we'll have to see. So I not much the news. Interview, I hope they interview writers because the, the list of writers that they have on that are just like people who I've followed on Twitter for a while. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these are all these people mm-hmm. who I've learned so much from just them talking about games. And now they're putting out adventures officially. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. I think like um, at POC Gamer on Twitter uh, has a some writing in there and they've been a huge influence. Uh, he's been a huge influence on trying to write these worlds that um, are not centered around like humans coming up in a way that is like, <clears throat> like sort of uh western culture with castles and magic yeah yeah as yeah so as i've been like trying to write stuff he has some really good blog posts about like yeah think about this like if this is here why is this here and then how does this interact with this and what are these cultures looking like if they like fight against each other or or come together and so i don't know it's just cool to see all these people who've been doing a lot of work online get officially like paid and represented by wizards. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big. I'm a big fan of Amy Vorpal. I don't think I've like mentioned this before, but like I've been following her for a long time. And back when I was first getting into D and D, she was on the Saving Throw show, and I was watching her, yeah. and I was like, she's so cool. And then she was on Nerdist for a while and doing a bunch of stuff. And I just have a lot of respect for her. She's really awesome. And this is my this is my geek out moment is because she she tweeted that she's like you know pandemic was hard, but she changed a bunch of her stuff and she wrote this thing for wizards and she's been working and things. Um, and I was like, this is why I like Amy Vorpal, everybody. She's like always climbing forward and doing really awesome. And then she liked my tweet and I'm literally at work and I was like, oh, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, I just fanboy. It's fun. So, uh, hers looks really funny. Um, I can't say who, but I had one of the writers message me and was like, I just watched this video of yours and you're going to be very excited when you read my adventure. Uh, and I was like, she's like, I can't say more. And I'm like. Okay, um, but that'll be a lot of fun. So I, I'm more excited for uh, Candlekeep. And I also, it, it's fun to just have a, a slew of one-shots. Like, I like yeah. that, where it's yeah. like, what are you guys playing? Was like, I've always had this, like, yeah. level six character I want to play. Let's play this. The like, Saltmarsh be fun. book was so, so good. Saltmarsh was yeah. excellent. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Underrated book. That Saltmarsh is so good. Yeah. We talk about it. It's, like, one of our favorites. Like, it's way yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, and it it is... I, I was going to say regurgitated content, but it is older content that they made for fifth edition. But like yeah. the, my players mm-hmm. loved it because they had this home base. The, the downtime was a lot of fun of just like running around and like, Oh, I want to start a business and I want to do this and I want to go pit fighting. And like, then they would unearth more clues and then they get hired again to go do something. And it was so not critical role. And I don't mean that yeah. in a negative way, but no, like all yeah. of my players were very into critical role. And this was a weird experience where they're like, we're, so we're just kind of like for hire. And I'm like, yeah, like, what do you want to do? Kind of a thing. Yeah. So, And see, yeah. they, they did the one before that tales from the portal, which I think was their first kind of bring back anthology stuff, Yeah, but they didn't have the formula. Right. And then they hit with salt marsh and there's the formulas perfect yeah. and if they just keep following that and then you know bringing stuff in i think it's just gonna be great loose threads that tie stuff together but enough that you can just run it on your own interest they have to be interesting enough that you could just run that one piece and it's done and that makes it so good because if you have 10 pieces that are so good just by themselves and you multiply that by 10 that just makes it even that much better yeah. so it's not like oh i got you know i love storm king thunder i love running it but really the best part's chapter three, not the other other chapters. You know, you're you're kind of picking and choosing. But if you've got 10 tight, solid, really good things and you put them all in the same book, you're just like, 
this is amazing. <laughs> you know, this yeah, is really yeah. good. And I think it's again in the same way that um you know, we've we've all kind of been doing this at our tables and know to do this because we've been DMing for a long time. I think they've gotten a lot better at signaling like how to use material, you yeah. know, like because mm -hmm. you can do that. I pull things out of old I love the yawning portal because it it feels like it is this toolbox of things that you can just like totally ignore this and that. I use those dungeons all the time just as like, here's the map. I've like go into Photoshop and like take off the numbers and just like put my own stuff in there. Mm -hmm. But um, it doesn't really like tell you how to do that. And then with like Salt Marsh, it really does. I think I think Descent into Avernus does the same thing, where it's like, mm -hmm. here's this sandbox. You can run it like this, or you can run it like this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Here's a bunch of pieces, and yeah. in a way that is. Good. Well, that made me another question. What are you doing? Most of your games online? Are you doing most of your games were in person? I know up till this year it might be a little changed. Yeah. And then what are you using online to run your games? Oh boy, um, I use, I primarily use Roll Twenty. Okay, so uh, I'm, think, a, I'm a Roll Twenty fan. Okay, just yeah. checking. <laughs> no, yeah, and I I've tinkered with other things, I and I think it's the best like balance of you know Fantasy Grounds rips. It's super good. Mm -hmm. I I get that if all of your players were on board and were into like get, figuring out how to use it, it's really really good but i think rule 20 is a good like balance and then most of your games are now online games or have always been online games or have you played around the table more than you've ever played on online games it's a good question um because me that was the the dynamic between me and jordan was jordan was a very community at the table game player when we started the whole show i was a very online game player because i couldn't find people to play in my hometown so we came at it from kind of those both directions and had you know our viewpoints came from those yeah. I mean, I started, I, I played D&D for two years, I think, without having it, uh, besides like maybe like 10 sessions I'd run in the first two years at the table where I had run like 25 to 30 that were online just because I just moved to Denver and just knew more people. Um, so kind of like same with you. Um, but then I started, I, I really wanted to be a player. And so I found a meetup group in Denver that was just at a, a, bar um it's like every tuesday it was like kind of adventurous league but i ended up just like uh jailing with the table and we all just we played through um all of dungeon of the mad mage from dragon eyes to the end whoa yeah that's um, what i'm doing right now dungeon we, of the mad mage we went one to 20 and it was it. <laughs> it was so cool to have to like play with strangers yeah. uh play with people that i did not know at all besides this table I knew their character names better than I knew their real names. And, mm -hmm. um, but I, I, it was just such a different experience of like um, being able to show up every week and just kind of like come or not come. And um, it was, it was very, very fun, but I played way more online than I have at a table. I love it. I love at the table stuff. I love <laughs> the random meetups so much. It's such a cool, beautiful thing if you can pull it off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's fun how you get complete strangers to like, we're all, going to buy into this mm -hmm. and it's not weird and everyone else is excited that the other person is also willing to buy into this and i went to a uh, uh i used to do adventures league um until i basically did the same thing where i like found the people at adventures league that i'm like do you guys want to go to my house because then i can drink a beer and we can play there and they're like oh that sounds great and yeah. so now i still play with all of those guys uh yeah. but 
it's just really fun where everyone's like, yeah. And then somebody you don't know walks up and it's like, I just charmed this guy and he's telling us the whole story of the bad guy. And you're like, rock on guy. I don't know. Like, that's cool. (laughs) So, um, I don't think we're going to get to our, uh, college of monsters, but that is okay. But I wanted, we have about 10 minutes left. Um, We'll talk about Monster a Week a little bit, I guess, because uh, Lucian and I are in that game. That's being streamed on LB Hack'em-Up's Twitch on Wednesdays at 8.30 Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys should come watch us live. And if you're in the Discord, I will try to put a, a ping in the announcements uh, so you guys know when we're going live. Uh, but I guess... I don't know who who wants to start. Lucian, do you want to talk about your experience I'll, 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 or does Harlan yeah. have all of the questions? I'll give you a little <laughs> bit of background. So... We're playing it. Me and Jordan are new to that game. Um, so we're playing with a group that has a couple players that have played it quite a bit. Our game master or the keeper of the secrets or keeper of the story, mm-hmm. she's played but hadn't ran it yet. So it's somebody who's new to running it. Um, we did do a session zero that we thought was going to be about 30 minutes and ended up being three hours because we had a so lot of fun. fun. <laughs> and then we played the, the session just this past week. And we played for about three and a half hours and had a pretty good time. It's a very powered by the apocalypse style game. If you haven't seen um, the monster of the week type thing, and you basically have character archetypes, you pick some things and then you have moves that allow you to do things. That's the general game. And we're playing in a modern day supernatural game, just like the show kind of supernatural. We're, we're in Montana and, uh, somebody's gone missing and we're investigating it because we know that there are supernatural things out there, but we're new to that. So that's kind of like the whole setup to the whole thing where I thought we could really take this conversation, Jordan, as far as we're D and D players, we're dungeon masters, we run games, the differences and the things that are alike. And, but the things that are very different from the style of games that were that this ended up being, what do you think from like a dungeon masters standpoint if you all of a sudden had to turn around and run that same game in that same session, same story, same characters, what what would be going on in your mind as far as, you know, how would you prep that or what's different about it that your D&D skills didn't help you out with or what did your D&D skills would help you out with that? Yeah, I I was uh, not not weirded out, but like while we were playing, I, I kept thinking like I want to I want to like look for clues or I want to do this but you mm-hmm. don't have a perception role. And we even came across where we were talking back and forth and LB was like, well, do you have like a move for that? And we were like, I don't think so. But like, and so I just started saying things like, are there tracks on the ground? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do I see anything out of the ordinary? Can I climb a tree? Can I do this? Because uh, it's one of those where it's so open that you, your D&D almost restricts you because you're just like, well, I'm not really good at investigation checks, so I'm not going to do it because I'll, I'll probably fail. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting, but the you, you you have kind of core stats, but coming from kids on bikes, uh, if somebody wants to make like a perception check, I kind of know the equivalent. And maybe it's because I'm more familiar with that game, but Monster of the Week, I did not know the equivalent of that. So I was like racking mm-hmm. my brain, like, could it, do I make it? It is mechanics light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, not, and I like, like that. How many die rolls did we make in the entire session? Oh, like four, like maybe. Right. <laughs> like, it was yeah, yeah. crazy. So the D and D session. And LB even hundreds. said like, you'll make more <laughs> next week. Don't worry. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, but no, I like the, the, the idea of it. It's, it's odd how specific these tropes fit so many TV shows. 
And I was like, oh, okay. So we found a formula back in the early 90s that really worked for Buffy and X-Files and things like that because you do have these characters that are, yeah, down to your character, which is just like the average Joe who's not good at anything. And it's hilarious. I watched watched your last episode of um, the Saturday morning D&D show and you were talking about the mundane. And that is, it is literally the thing that hooked me about uh, Monster of the Week because I was like, boy, they just have this... (laughs) <laughs> this one-to-one of the TV show on lock. Cause I didn't even think about that being a trope. And yeah. it's such a trope, like the Scooby, I mean, the, the shaggy character, yeah. you know, the Xander yeah. of Buffy. Yeah, the Xander, like, he's just like, exactly. oh. And yeah, yeah, you in, in our game specifically, you asked like, Hey, I have this move where I can roll to like stumble upon something and yeah, it yeah. may or may not help oops. you. Yeah. Oops <laughs> yeah. is the ability. Yeah. And yeah, so we roll that and, and, and yeah. And I guess that's, that's another thing is because with D and D you are heroes and you're also heroes here, but like, you're not, you're not superheroes necessarily. Yeah. Um, and being the guy that can just like walk in the normal that can walk in and like talk to people as opposed yeah. to my character who like looks like he's homeless and is on a mission from God and is like running around. So it was well, a lot and, of fun. And the idea in the storytelling is that that person represents the audience, right? They, that's who you explain the weirdness to And that's how the audience gets explained the weirdness. So you kind of have to have that person there to try to explain why is there somebody running around with a flaming sword? That doesn't make Mm. any sense to somebody who doesn't maybe play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. You know, maybe they they get that. So I thought that was interesting. But like you said, mechanics light so far. Um, We dove deep into role playing our characters and conversations with characters and I, I do you do I felt like that was a little bit of a shift from what we do in Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is almost like I'm playing a video game and I'm moving the controllers and I'm hitting the buttons and things are happening on the screen and the dungeon master is telling me those things. This was we were sitting down and having conversations almost more of like an improv actor or I'm feeling out what the character might say or feel or think about that response. So I felt there was a little bit of a difference there too, as far as how the game was represented. It felt more improv and actor like, I want to say, whereas Dungeons Dragons feels like I'm playing a video game sometimes. So there was a, there was a big difference there. Both are great. Both are fun, but it's like a difference that you're going to feel or so far that I've felt. um, No, it's different styles of play because my wild mount game, they are all about, voices and strong strong character opinions and having like discussions in character um but then i've had other people at the table where it's like uh my character you know third person like my character would like to walk over here or they kind of hand wave it and i've done this too because it's easier sometimes where you're just like i i don't have the words but i want to try and convince him to give me the key like Help me, Dungeon Master, with like what's yeah, a good way to do this. I'm not as like, eloquent yeah, yeah. as my character. And that's is. and that's fine because I, I don't like the the idea of it. it's like, well, if you're a bard, you have to just be charismatic. And I'm like, but yeah. if I'm the barbarian, I'm still Jordan. I can't lift that table over my head. Like, why is it okay for me to pretend that but not pretend these social skills? And so Yeah. I mean, I've experienced that with a lot of other games too, that like the character sheet is often a map for how to play this character. Yeah. Um, you know, D, I think 5e is really good at like, here, here are the things that you're especially good at. And that kind of guides, um, if you want to be like a zany rogue, you can, you can be a zany rogue, but you're still this like sneaky, like thief person. And, or, or you can be like a grim version of that. 
And um, I've experienced that like as a player playing other games where I'm like, oh, I can just be whatever I want. Like I'm good at this or good at that, but then I can just be whatever I want. And that openness is sometimes intimidating, but sometimes mm -hmm. uh, fun. Like you're like, okay, cool. I have these skills, but I can just be this character and I can just decide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the show's really brought out already where there's two people that me and Jordan never met. The connection is LB, who we've both met and have played games with before. And so there's there's a, a relationship there as far as, oh, you know, we, we played games with them. We know how they are. But we came together so far so good with two complete strangers that I thought that was a little yeah. bit amazing that there was already chemistry. There was already built into these new characters some chemistry going on. Um, the interactions between how the characters are acting and doing things are really fun. So I felt like that is really going to show up in this show well if you go back and watch it. Um, that I liked a lot. That was different than what we might get in some other games that we play is that chemistry from the players is really forefront at the moment. And that's super cool. And I thought LB did great with her voices of her characters. And I'm a DM that doesn't do any voices. So my, if my players never get special voices and stuff, and that's like one deficiency I wish I was better at, cause I just can't do, you know, I can't be the Matt Mercer, which I, you know, I wish everybody could do the, the voice of Matt Mercer stuff, but uh, she's done a really good job. And I like those. I even think Jordan, you do a few voices, but you don't do, I too do voices. crazy. You don't go too loud. <laughs> no, I've played in your game. <laughs> you you should listen to most of Rod of Seven Parts. No, right. uh, I've got I'm like I've got like four, and I kind of just like this is this yeah. is my like lower pitched Irish. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not good, <laughs> but it's yeah. fine. But um, I love the people that can do that. Yeah, uh, Lucian. Here's my DM pro tip: uh, bag of helium right here. You just. Oh. <laughs> That's character. Voice. You might get a little lightheaded, but that's part of the just fun. as much healing as I want, just all through the whole session. Yeah. Then, right? Yeah. That's your uh, PSA. Yeah, I, might <laughs> go to an oxygen bar afterwards. I don't Kids, where experts don't do this at home. <laughs> I've had a couple of people in the chat of our games. Like, there's four reoccurring NPCs that are like the crew, and I, I, they're really like the four voices that I can do. <laughs> and but chat has kind of like started when I, I stick my jaw out like this. They're like, oh. <laughs> Harlan's about to, yeah, like Goat's about, like this uh, one of the characters' yeah. name is Goat. Like Goat's about to yeah. talk, because he's got his jaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, those That's physicalities awesome. help a lot. Uh, Harlan, thank you so much for coming on yeah. to our show. Uh, where can people find you? See how fast you? it goes? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love it. We do a 30-minute show, and this this felt still like a sprint. So thank you for letting me just talk forever about D&D. It was I awesome. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, um, you can find us on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, on all the socials. I'll, I'll drop a link to our Twitter in the chat so you can see. Oh, I don't know if uh, you have ability on YouTube at least, but oh, I, th uh, I think oh, it will get mad at me for yeah, things. yeah. Okay, I, I um, won't do it. Well, it's you can try anyway, here, and maybe, maybe I can approve the yeah, comment. Yeah. But. yeah, it'll be in comments. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. but I did, yeah. I did yeah. take your Discord. your uh, better than heroes. Twitch has a link tree bio that has all of your links. And yes. I put that down below in the description. So check it out. It's a really fun show. I'm on one of the episodes if you want to hang out. I was a, a Gith Zerai uh, warlock or so, And we were chased yeah. by a, a space fire dinosaur. It was really fun. That um, was a fun one. You have yeah, lots, of, lots of really great art because of your <laughs> uh, original flavor, Jordan, who does lots of art. Um, but also something that I don't see on a lot of... Uh, a lot of streams is you have an improvised musician that is watching the show and playing and setting the mood while, while you guys are alive. And it, 
it's helped so much. That was amazing. So <laughs> Jason Wardell is a master. I cannot believe we got so lucky because he's he's also a DM. And so he just like gets it and is so mm-hmm. good at playing on a synthesizer. And yeah, he plays along. It's so yeah. fun. So it's um, really fun. Uh, one, I think one of the one of the really good shows out there. So you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, better than Heroes. Yeah, I, I encourage people to jump in straight in arc uh, at the beginning of our two, if they want to, but you can also just come watch us live on Mondays. You'll figure out why we make fun of Relic, the NPC, and uh, <laughs> who everybody is. Um, they're about to maybe steal a Nautiloid right now. Um, that's kind of like what it's looking like they're going to do. So it's a fun time. Um, yeah, that's cool. awesome. Come watch it. Uh, well, thank you again. Uh, Lucian, anything before we go? No, hey, thanks for coming to the show. Oh, siren. And, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's something's there going on. It's Lucian's <laughs> siren. Or is it yours? Yeah, well, usually oh, I get me. my it's siren me. at the very beginning of the month, so it's all right. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for coming to the show, and I think it was awesome. I bet we'll have you on at some point in the future, too, and as another guest host. Yeah, be awesome. It was super fun. Please, thank you. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching, liking, subscribing, sharing with your friends, all of that awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Take care. See y'all. Thank you. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.